This is episode 185 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share that my Bump to Birth Method 2.0 online program is now open for enrollment. If you're pregnant and want to have a more comfortable pregnancy, including finding ways to address common pelvic floor symptoms like leaking pee or pelvic pain, if you want to prepare mentally and physically, including your pelvic floor for birth and ways to minimize tearing, and if you want to prepare ahead for a smoother postpartum recovery, you'll want to join my Bumped Birth Method online program. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, and you get lifetime access to the program content. When you enroll in Bump to Birth, you also get access to me and meet other pregnant people in the private members-only Facebook group for six months during your pregnancy and early postpartum recovery. I also do live group accountability Q&A sessions where you can ask questions as you go through the program. It's important to me that you're supported not just physically, but mentally and emotionally through your pregnancy and postpartum recovery. So if you're ready to have a more comfortable pregnancy, be prepared for birth and a smoother postpartum recovery, head to the show notes for course link or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to learn more. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I'm excited to chat with Michelle Brooks, who recently gave birth to her second little one, Griffin. And so we met this past year when she went through my Bumped Birth online program. And I'm just really grateful that she's here to share about her pregnancy as well as birth experiences, because we're always having people ask us, you know, can we have more birth stories on the podcast? And also to hear how different people prepare for birth. So yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, Michelle. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've, uh, I've listened to your podcast for a while. I can't even remember when it was started. When did you guys start the podcast? Yeah, it's been over three years now. Okay, so, so I would have listened to it from, from the beginning and uh, it was following Jessie and I did her core and restore program after my first, uh, actually our babies are born, our oldest are born on the same day, but a year apart. It's kind of funny. So yeah, I know I've been kind of following along with you guys for, for quite a while. So it's, uh, it's great to be able to talk with you today. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. So yeah. And is there anything else you want to kind of share with our listeners um, just about yourself, about the family, how you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so this year I'm going to be turning 40, which is scary because you know, when you're younger, you're like, wow, 40 is like really old and so far away. Um, but I, I feel great. Um, kind of excited, you know, just grateful to be alive and, and healthy. Um, I live with my husband, Steve in, uh, Bracebridge, Ontario. So cottage country, which I love, uh, moved up here six years ago. We met in Oakville and, uh, my full-time job uh, is I'm an actuary and I also uh, my I'll say my hobby job or my real passion job is uh, doing nutrition coaching and um, yeah we have our son Jackson who is going to be five in August which can't even believe he's going to be that old Um, we just had his progress check-in with his Montessori teachers and he's just being an amazing little human so makes us very proud and uh, yeah, and our, our second uh, Griffin, who's 12 weeks old and uh, has, has been a really, really awesome, awesome baby. It's, uh, I, you know, before we got married, I didn't know if we would ha- have kids or not. And then it was almost like two months after just, well, maybe we should try. And 
here we are six years later, two kids and a dog, of course, Finn. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I think it is great for people to hear, you know, where people are coming from in terms of like pregnancy or birth. I love that you just shared, like, I wasn't even sure I was going to have kids and then made that decision afterwards, just because I think everyone kind of, we hear stereotypes around how we should think or how you know, different ages in terms of giving birth. And so yeah. I just think so many listeners are going to resonate um, with you and your experiences. So why don't we, let's first start with, um, how did you feel during your pregnancy with Jackson? So going to your oldest, hmm. um, yeah. How did you feel kind of mentally, physically, emotionally during that pregnancy? Yeah. So when we decided to start trying, I was, it was just after we we're married. So I was 33. Um, almost all of my girlfriends had already had their first already. So it was kind of on the later end, which was fine. Um, and we got pregnant pretty much right away and unfortunately miscarried after six weeks. And that was very devastating to me. Uh, you know, so I was like, oh, great. This is just going to be my life. I, you know, maybe we won't be able to have kids and whatnot. Uh, thankfully two months after that loss, um, my period came back and then I can see, we can see Jackson right away. Um, it was, it was scary, of course, thinking, you know, are we going to be able to keep this one? What's going to happen? Um, but you know, luckily everything was going okay. I, uh, teamed up with some midwives who they referred me to a pelvic physio. And I, I can't even remember what made me decide to do that if I was having, yeah, I think I was having uh, round ligament issues. And so they said, you know, you should see a chiropractor, you should see a physio. And so pretty much from halfway through my pregnancy, I started seeing a chiropractor at least every week. And I uh, started seeing Carolyn, as you know, um, from that point as well. Um, so that was really good to know that I was taking control of, of my body and uh, optimizing chances to have a natural birth, which, you know, funny going into it, going into the pregnancy, I was like, there's no way I want to feel any pain. I just want to be drugged. I don't want to feel anything. Um, and then something just kind of shifted and made me realize that may, maybe natural birth is a, is an option for me on natural non-medicated, medicated, I should say. Um, and really started to explore that and decided that, you know, yeah, I think I can do this. Um, mentally because I think that's what it was it was more of a mental thing can I handle pain so I really wanted to make sure you know my my hips were aligned properly and that my pelvic floor wasn't too tight so I, I'm grateful that I my midwives referred me to them so early on so I was set up for success um I ended up taking five weeks off before Jackson's due date in July so I had a whole summer to just relax and not work and um, a couple of weeks before he was due, uh, we found out he had a growth restriction, uh, interuterine growth restriction, which was pretty scary. Uh, I was like, okay, cut him out of me right now. I need just get him earthside. I need him to be safe. Um, thankfully, he responded very well to all the non-stress tests. And um, we, we had him induced uh, a week later, the day before his due date. And uh, everything was okay from that perspective. Um, you just wanted to know about how that pregnancy felt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. And just hearing again, through all the different factors involved in how you felt during that pregnancy and how, you know, whether seeing the chiro and the physio, um, and even it just sounds like the midwives were so supportive of you yeah. that you felt, you know, we always talk about people like, well, I don't really have control over pregnancy and I don't really have over control, control over birth. So like, why bother doing this yeah. stuff? But I love how you talked about, it's like doing what you could to make yourself feel the most supported you could, yeah. um, and navigating different decisions around, around your pregnancy. But also I'm sure near the end, when you had that news of like growth restriction, and did you find the midwives were kind of talking you through about the options and yes. what that really meant and how they would monitor you? Yeah. And it's funny because the midwife who delivered Jackson until that week, I was not even convinced she was like very medical at all. Cause she was just so, you know, typical midwife, very like earthy and flowing. Oh yeah, everything's great. And I'm just like, okay, you've not, you've, barely like checked me, you know, you just checked my blood pressure and my heart rate and Doppler. And so it, it was very non-medical, which I think is the point, right? 
Um, and so when we found this out, it's like a, a switch clicked and she's like, okay, this is what this means. This is what we have to do. You know, we'll do a non-stress test and then we can do a stress and sweep and try and get him to come on his own. And like, and then she was there like the whole way through when he was actually born. And it was just, it was just so good. I felt in such good hands. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And how do you feel, like you mentioned physio and Cairo in terms of some of the physical um, supports you had with preparing. Did you end up doing a prenatal course um, or like online learning or in-person? Like what was that like preparing for Jackson's birth? Yeah, so I did, uh, our health unit offered like a you know, preparing for baby course. And, uh, you know, they did a little bit about birth itself, um, but then also about, you know, when the baby comes. And I, I can't even remember that much stuff other than the whole, if you get frustrated with your baby, put them down and walk away. Like, as in, you know, don't shake your baby. Like, that's about the only thing that I remember. Um, and then the midwife's office um, offered a prenatal course and a breastfeeding course. So I did those. I read like all the books, you know, the Ina May book. Um, I watched The Business of Being Born. That was actually part of my decision to go with the midwife as well. Uh, watched that. Uh, before I had uh, my first pregnancy, uh, watched that and was like, oh, wow, that's, that's very interesting. It was very eye-opening, even though it was based in the U.S. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very research-oriented and analytical, um, so try and learning as, as much as I can to make an informed decision. Yeah, no, that's great, and I love you mentioned earlier, too, about realizing when you made the decision of like, okay, maybe I do want to learn how I could approach um, potentially having an unmedicated birth, but kind of, you know, preparing for all the different options. Yes. Um, and that you mentioned mentally, that it's a, that it's a, it's big mentally, because I think that's something that's often missed that people are like, I can just muscle through this. Yeah. Um, I can just like strength train my way through labor. And I'm always and you've heard in Bum to Birth, I always talk about really, it's, it's mental as much as physical, if not more Yeah. of how to let go. So how did you find, what were some of the key things preparing for Jackson's birth that you found helped you mentally prepare for that? I, I feel like, you know, in the, in the last two weeks, it was just more of, I, I needed to, it was just to get him out and, um, I did do, sorry, I forgot. I did do hypnobirthing as well. I read the book and listened to the, the audio book and the tracks and stuff. And so, you know, the breathing and the, and the focusing on that. So I did a lot of breathing, um, and really tried to, okay, let's not tense during these, uh, surges and, uh, really trying not to like, to be part of the event not being on the outside, which it's hard, right? Because there is that time where you're like looking at yourself and not really aware of what's going on. So, it, you know, it's the, the weirdest experience that only someone who's given birth can, can say. Um, so yeah, trying to be like, okay, you know, I prepared for this, let's go back and what did I do? And um, many years ago, I was a runner and I did half marathons and, and longer runs like that. And there, it was also very mental too. It's like, okay, you know, one kilometer at a time, uh, you know, kind of breaking it into to small pieces. So similarly, okay, one contraction at a time. <laughs> I think that's great advice for anyone listening who's pregnant. It's like finding ways to stay in the moment. If you let your brain race ahead of like the net, how many contractions are there going to be? How long is this going to go on? It really it plays with you mentally in labor and can really affect your, even your progress with it. So I mm. love how you kind of took your runner's mind mm. and, and used it uh, to your advantage. Mm. Um, so how was Jackson's actual, like the birth experience? Yeah. So we had to be induced. So we got, went down to the hospital around nine o'clock um, being in Bracebridge. Um, we don't have an OB on staff in the hospital. So because it was an induction, we had to go to Aurelia, which was 45 minutes away. Uh, so my wife met us there, they applied the gel, I stayed for an hour, they did a non-stress test to make sure baby was okay, everything was fine, we drove to Barrie, which is another you know, half an hour away, oh, let's go shopping, we get to Toys R Us, and I started contracting, so two hours from the um, gel being applied, and meanwhile, everyone told me who heard I was going to have an induction, 
oh, the gel induction never works on the first time, probably will take two or three applications if it works at all. So we had like packed my husband's truck, prepared to be there for like a week because, uh, you know, okay, if the gel doesn't work, then they may do a fully uh, balloon and then they might break my water and then they might do like, so I was like preparing for all these things and oh, I might have to have a C-section. So I was prepared for this to be a very drawn out event. So when I went into had contractions two hours after the gel, I'm like, oh, well, these are just going to go away because they said it would come and go. And we're walking around the stores and I'm stopping and breathing and no, have no breathing. I'm like, okay, it's been an hour and it's every four minutes. Like it went from nothing to the 411, like right away. So we head back up the highway and uh, my midwife um, came back down a, a couple hours later because um, she, they have a really wide range here in Muskoka. She had to go really far away. And so um, I was in the triage and uh, I started having um, D cells uh, if I was in any other position than on my back. And then I would go to the bathroom and I started passing clots. And so I'm like terrified at this point. I'm like, for sure, this is going to be, he's going to be a C-section for sure. Like, can you just make a decision and take him out? Cause I'm really worried here. Um, and so like 11 o'clock, I started contractions four o'clock. They checked me into my room and that's when my, my midwife arrived. And that's when it got really intense. And I'm like, I can't handle this. This is so painful. And I was shaking and I literally felt like I was going to die. Um, and I mean, obviously after the fact, I realized that was transition, but like during that moment, I'm like, is this what people go through for 40 hours? Because there's no way I can handle that. If this is labor, like if I was just having light contractions before, I cannot do this. So I said to my midwife, I can't, I can't handle this. And that was like my code for, okay, give me the drugs. Cause I wrote that in my, my plan. And she's like, okay, let me just check you. She's like, you're 10 centimeters. I'm like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, I, I think, I can't remember if we talked about this or if I'd commented on some of your posts in the bump to birth program. I um, didn't know about spontaneous pushing at the time. So they're like, okay, you can push now knowing you can versus should whatever. But I was just like, yes, let's do it. Push uh, water broke. And there was a ton of people in the room. Um, like there was an OB, there was my midwife and there was like a bunch of nurses and my husband. And uh, yeah, I ended up pushing about 45 minutes and, and he was born. And I, I certainly was really afraid of tearing. That was like my other, other than, baby being okay. My, my biggest fear was tearing. And, and so then I, I had a moment and I had the exact moment with my birth with Griffin too, that, okay, don't worry about it. Just push and get this kid out and we'll worry about it later. <laughs> and uh, he came out and it was, it was great. And I only had four stitches. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was quite amazing. That's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. It, um, I think, like I said, it's so helpful. People need to hear different types of birth stories and just how yeah. you um, kind of walking through the different different steps. And then, so how did how was it kind of afterwards in terms of like uh, Jackson came out? Did you yeah. get him on your chest right away, or what did that look like kind of soon yeah. afterwards? Yeah. So there was one thing I didn't mention. He had uh, we'd been monitoring him for. Um, he had uh, large kidneys at the anatomy scan. So I'd had several ultrasounds and that's part of how they actually identified that they had a growth restriction because they saw him at 35 weeks and he was fine. And then at 38 weeks, he hadn't grown in his belly. So um, uh, I was worried about oh, what, what can happen from this. And so as soon as he came out, he peed and I was so happy because that was a really good sign that there wasn't going to be any major issues. And you know, they peed, wiped him off and uh, and gave him to me and I, I had him on my chest and then, you know, tried, attempted to, to latch him. Um, he did have low sugars. So we had to stay for two nights until his sugar got up to a certain level, um, which was kind of nice because, you know, had a little bit of help in, in the hospital. And, you know, the second night they said, you go to sleep, we'll hold the baby for a little bit. So, um, in terms of a hospital induction experience, I know a lot of moms get really afraid of induction and are like, oh my God, like, 
can there be a positive unmedicated experience? And like, absolutely there can be. So, I mean, from, from that perspective, I, I thought my, my birth was, was great. And I, and I loved it so much. Um, and yeah, and then you go home and reality sets in. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, well, that's great. I was curious to even just going back a little bit about, cause I think people will, um, find it helpful to hear like in terms of the induction, like what did you end up using? You mentioned when you were out, you were like breathing and focusing through. And then once you got to the hospital, did you use any strategies or positioning? I know you said on your back was the best and it sounds like initially, or was that most of labor? Yeah, that's all. I could not do anything else. And I was so mad because I was like, I am going to be, I'm going to squat this baby out or I'm going, you know, I was all prepared, you know, learning about all the different positions. I did not want to give birth on my back. And that's what I did. <laughs> Um, it, it was kind of like a, you know, my upper back was raised, but still, still on my back. So, I mean, I, I just, I wasn't allowed really to change positions. All, all I was allowed to do was get up and go to the washroom if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I had to stay there just because of the D cells. I really feel like I was like in the zone, like the whole time, just like one wave to the next, to the next. And it just, I never really kind of thought further ahead until it just sort of progressed uh on its own and so again just focusing on each each contraction and I remember my husband trying to give me like a foot massage and I was just kind of like don't touch me like (laughs) which can totally happen I warn people I'm like and the thing is you don't know right until you're in labor like you don't know what your body will want so some people are like they want hands-on the whole time so I warn their partner like be prepared. You might do double hip squeezes for hours or foot massages for hours. Whereas other times you're like, don't even get within two feet of me. You need to support me from afar. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think all the mental prep you did for his birth really helped because knowing you couldn't really go into different positions previously, you would have liked to go to, but I do think how you mentally prepared helped you cope through even though you couldn't change positions because medically as we always talk about like it's this balance right like medically you and baby need to be fine in whatever position you're in and that was the best one for you both Um, but you could use all of your other coping strategies so that is awesome to hear and then so then let's go into in terms of afterwards because I know you said Jackson is about to turn five yes um which I know Pippa turned five this year and I'm still a little bit in shock about it (laughs) I didn't do enough preparation for the after and enough research on breastfeeding potential outcomes um I actually made the stupid mistake of saying at the breastfeeding course that I went to that oh, people who quit breastfeeding just didn't try hard enough. Like I actually said that, but I'm like, that was my karma because that was, it was, it was very hard. Attempted to breastfeed for about six weeks and we had to stop after because I just was not producing enough for him. And, you know, we never really understood why, um, you know, was it because he was so small? Like he really was just such a, he was bound, he was six pounds and six ounces. And I was fully expecting at least an eight pound baby. So I was eight pounds. My brother was nine pounds. My husband was lighter, but still I was not expecting such a tiny baby. Um, so, you know, I did all the supplements. I went and met with Jack Newman. You know, we had the tongue tie um, clip. We, uh, you know, did all the things. And like, I still remember the day we stopped and I, I was just like crying. And my husband's like, it's, you, you gotta stop. This, this is not good. Like it was, about the only moment that was like teetering on like serious depression or like psychotic <laughs> break and we stopped and everything got so much better. And I, you know, I've, I've heard of other people saying this too, like I'd hear him cry and I would like get so much anxiety because I'm like, God, I have to feed him again. And am I going to have milk? Am I going to have to get formula, whatever. So it was quite stressful and still like was, a painful thing to think of for so like even talking about it now kind of brings up those emotions I, I feel like I've my experience with Griffin I feel like has helped heal that but it, it, it's crazy how um how much that hurt for so long and feeling like it was my fault and I didn't do enough and maybe I didn't get to it soon enough and and so on but uh yeah like he was he was only eight pounds a month after he was born he was 12 pounds two months later like he was 25 pounds when he was a year old. He's completely healthy. Like 
no indications that that growth restriction was any issue uh, long-term, which is what the midwives told me. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Michelle, because I know so many are going to appreciate hearing that because I think, I mean, there are definitely a number of topics in pregnancy, birth, and postpartum that can be very dividing. And unfortunately, there's not, you know, I think there is more support happening with certain topics, but there's still, you know, feelings around, like you mentioned, around breastfeeding and being able to and and why and all the different factors involved you mentioned went to like the Newman clinic you met with him which is like here where we are in Canada it's like the place to go yeah um so it sounds like like you had tried all these different supports yeah um and how was it like did you find certain ones were more helpful than others or like how how was that for you it, it was like, nothing was that helpful because nothing made it work, you know, like, it, um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you more about what I've learned sort of since then, but like nothing made it work. So it was like, yeah, I had like the best breastfeeding doctor in Canada um, and still it didn't work. And so, you know, you feel like, oh, is it something wrong with me? And um, did I not try hard enough? And, and so on. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we decided to stop at six weeks instead of continuing on because I don't know how my mental status would have continued and I wouldn't have been able to enjoy him as much like I go back on my phone all the time now because I want to look at pictures of Griffin at the same stage as Jackson and compare them and and like there's very few pictures of me and him in those first six weeks and then after that there's so many more and so just kind of like I you know just wasn't in a, in a good place at that point yeah yeah and thank you for sharing how it did like mentally like just how different you felt after after Mm -hmm. making that decision like changing so let's go into then kind of into the next pregnancy after um after jackson yeah so just like i didn't know if we wanted to have any kids we weren't sure if we were going to have any more than one we thought you know one and done this is fine My, my husband's an only child like it's so easy to manage one child with two parents um and then something just kind of again kicked in and you know it might be nice to have a second one and you know have a bigger family I think you know we went to a wedding where there was like they had a really big family I'm like oh this is so nice and I know there's no guarantee that families will be close but you know it's a there's a good chance and and just the love that we had for Jackson was like just I want more of that so we decided in that we decided in December of 2018 that in uh, April of 2019 that's when we'd start. Um, my husband's a hunter, so he's like, "Can you try and stay away from November?" So that's how we had to plan it. <laughs> so April would have given given us, I think, uh, a January baby or something like that. So I was like, "Okay, fine." So again, conceived right away, um, and so I was you know, pretty excited about that, and then. At, uh, I was almost 10 weeks and I had some spotting that week and I, I knew right away. I just knew that I had miscarried and um, went to the hospital, had an ultrasound by myself. That was the worst thing, like getting that news by myself. Found out it um, passed at seven weeks and I, I certainly didn't deal with that uh, very well. Um, I didn't have a DNC. I let it come out naturally. And it was just a very long drawn out process of getting my first period, then getting my next one and seeing what my cycle looked like. And because I, I follow uh, fertility awareness methods. So, you know, what's my, uh, when am I going to ovulate? What's my luteal phase? All this stuff. So um, didn't handle that very well mentally, um, but then eventually kind of got a hang of things, started working with a naturopath, you know, kind of optimize my cycle, really focus on my nutrition. And then in December, I guess it was December, uh, conceived again. And so that was very exciting. Um, and then the end of February, 2020, um, I decided to do, well, well in 2020, uh, sorry, in February, I decided to do the NIPT, the non-invasive prenatal testing. And unless you have a reason for it, it costs you money. Like unless you are over 40 or unless you have had, um, you know, your 11 week scan and it indicates there's something you have to pay for it. it's $500. So I was like, I want to know if there's something wrong. So it's supposed to be, you know, five to 10 days 
waited for the results. I still hadn't heard anything after two weeks. So I, that same day I went to my midwife and she heard the heartbeat. We had my son with me and he heard it. So that's how he found out. And then um, I drove by my doctor's office, stopped in and he said, oh, I'm glad you came in. I have your results and they're not good <laughs> with my son with me. Um, and I, so I screened positive for trisomy 18. Um, I can't even remember the, uh, I think it's Edwards uh, syndrome. Uh, so it's a trisomy on the 18th uh, chromosome. And so that completely shattered everything. We're like, what, what does this mean? It was just such a, such a fog. Um, long story short, we went to Mount Sinai. They confirmed, like, like it was very clear that there was uh, a lot of uh, things wrong with uh, the baby. And um, we decided to proceed with a, a termination. And um, on Monday, March 9th, 2020, you know, the worst week of everyone's <laughs> life. Um, that's when I had my DNC. And uh, yeah, so it was um, the only bright side that came out of that was that uh, the baby had already passed. So at least he wasn't in pain anymore. So that was um, quite a, a hard year, of course, and having it end in that and still trying, trying to struggle with wanting to have a second kid, but having two back-to-back -back miscarriages, one being a pretty, a pretty bad one. Um, and, you know, getting close to the age of 40 and the chances of it happening again, are so much higher and, and so on and so forth. I'll take a breath now. I don't know if you want to say anything. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. Cause like I said, I think all of these things, when it comes, it comes down to loss, just you know, so many people go through it, but yet it's not talked about. So I know people are going to appreciate hearing because then they're going to be like, okay, it's not just me. Um, yes. Michelle has gone through this too. And yes. many others who are listening have gone through it. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm a member of a uh, street parking. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that of it. It's a, um, a functional fitness program similar to CrossFit, but for people who generally work out at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started a group of members, um, within members focusing on that loss and infertility, you know, cause they're kind of related uh, community. And it, it's been amazing to hear the different stories. And, you know, it, it's, it was a big source of healing for me over that period of time. And uh, I know that uh, the other women in the group felt the same way. Um, so then because we've had the two losses, uh, luckily we were able to be referred to a fertility clinic because I wanted to know, like, do I have something about me that uh, is causing this? So now I've had three losses. Um, you know, I suspected that I had low progesterone because my luteal phase was always on the short side, but do I have something else? So they did all the testing and like nothing. My blood worked fine. You know, my uh, follicle counts, you know, consistent with my age. I was going to talk to the, uh, the doctor about having potentially doing an IUI. Um, they put me on the IVF list, the, the, the free list for, I still haven't been called. I guess it's a long list, <laughs> but uh, I was like, oh, maybe I'll look at IUI because it's cheaper and so on. So anyways, uh, the day I was supposed to have my appointment, I uh, found out I was expecting um, what turns out to be Griffin. I'm sure. How did that feel? Just having those two things happen? Yeah, it yeah. was. It was crazy. What was even crazier, and this gives me chills, is that I found out I was expecting him a year to the day of the first loss that I had. And then he was due the week that I lost uh, the second one. So it was, it was like very serendipitous um, that the timing would work out that way. So, you know, super grateful. I know it, it feels like an eternity when you're in the moment of trying to conceive and, you know, focusing on every day of your cycle. And, um, but when I look back, I'm like, it really wasn't that long, you know? And, um, but, you know, I, I certainly feel for, for people going through that. Um, but, you know, that, that pregnancy was very long. <laughs> it wasn't 40 weeks long. It was like 140 weeks long. <laughs> totally. Totally. I know a lot of people do find it just felt so much like with Jackson's pregnancy, you had gone through the loss previous to that. So I know it sounded like that was on your mind, which is very, very common. Yeah. Um, and then with this one, do you feel like that was kind of part of it feeling really long or what were all the yeah. different aspects that made it feel that way? 
Yeah, like with Jackson's, because the the prior pregnancy, I'd lost around six weeks. And once I got past six weeks, I felt better. Um, but then with this one, because I had had a loss at, you know, six weeks, then 10 weeks, then 13 weeks. And then I'd learned because of this loss community that I'm in, that people have had like stillbirths and all, like, I'm like, oh, like you're never safe. <laughs> and so I just, I never... I never really could relax. Um, you know, my, my midwife was phenomenal that as soon as she could hear the heartbeat, she let me go every single week, uh, to check on the Doppler until I started feeling movement. And, you know, she encouraged me that, you know, you're feeling this many kicks. That's great. You know? And so it was again, very supportive. It was, it was a different midwife this time. Uh, but she'd actually been my midwife. Like I'd signed up with her for every other pregnancy. So I knew her pretty well. Um, but yeah, no, it just felt like, okay, I'm through one more week. I still have, you know, this many more weeks, you know, and I, I just want to meet this baby and I I just want to get past these, these milestones, you know, like having the dating ultrasound and then having the NIPT. And then we went to Mount Sinai again for an early anatomy scan. And, and even that was serendipitous because we had the same doctor who gave us our bad news, give the good news that baby looked really great. So it was it's all been a weird experience (laughs) yeah so many commonalities and the fact that I mean Mount Sinai is one of the major hospitals in Toronto so the fact you have the same physician is a small world right yeah 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 Yeah. so how how was how was pregnancy with uh with Griffin good yeah like um I, I feel like it was a better pregnancy than with Jackson and I feel like on some ways um I ate better um, I ate more vegetables, I ate more protein when, after the first trimester, <laughs> um, you know, I gained 50 pounds with Jackson and I really wanted to try and avoid that if possible. I kept working out. Um, you know, I had my, my street parking community where we, you know, there's lots of moms who work out and I knew how to modify things properly. And I, I worked out with Jackson, but it was just different. Um, so I, I gained 35 pounds this time. So that felt better. I didn't feel so heavy, but I, in hindsight, I almost wonder if that was more swelling because with Jackson, I was, he was due in August and Griffin was born in March. Um, so I, I feel like it was more swelling because I really didn't, I'm no less, I still weigh the same as I did the day after birth with Griffin. Like it just hasn't come off. So I'm like, well, I must, must have been swelling with, the, with, uh, with Jackson. Um, but I didn't have, I had carpal tunnel with Jackson. I didn't have that this time. Um, I had a lot of like, hip issues and I, I was really really good this time I, I was expecting things to get really bad and they never really did uh you know a couple a couple little hip things that um was able to manage through you know your your course was super helpful with that and uh physio and and Cairo again but uh no I, I felt really good uh with this pregnancy um you know, until I passed my due date and then was like, okay, when is this guy going to come? Cause last time I didn't have to wait. Cause I was induced. <laughs> totally. Definitely different mentally when you get to, uh, to that point for sure. Yeah. And how did you feel preparing this time in terms of, did you end up, cause I know you did hypnobirthing with Jackson, um, and you did the hospital course you mentioned. So what was different this time around in terms of, did you take some of that kind of knowledge or revisit any of that? And then you also went through bump to birth. So like what kind of felt different this time? Um, I didn't focus quite as much. I didn't do the hypnobirthing as much. I, I think I listened to like the rainbow relaxation a couple times. Well, when I say listen, I mean, I put it on and fell asleep. Um, and what else did I do? I think I listened to Ina May's book again, I, like on walks, I would just listen to it. Um, I did a lot of research about breastfeeding this time because uh, I really wanted to make it work. Um, when I was about 27 weeks pregnant, I went to see a lactation consultant because I learned about something called um, insufficient glandular tissue or IGT. And um, I felt like that was me just based on how they described, you know, the breasts look a certain way and certain size and so on. And like uh, my breasts have really not grown at all since <laughs> since high school and uh, even through pregnancy just a little bit of growth so I wanted to know first of all do they think that this is me and do you think I have a chance at being able to breastfeed this time and they they said you know there's a good chance that, that yes I probably have it um, but that doesn't mean I 
can't have a better experience this time around um, because with every successive pregnancy, you develop more glandular tissue. So we, we set up a plan. You know, I was going to be in there like as soon as Griffin was born, as opposed to waiting three weeks. I didn't see Jack Newman until three weeks later. Um, you know, I got my supplements lined up. I have my prescription for Domperidone. Like I had the pump, like I was like ready. So I did a lot of research around that. Um, I listened to a lot of birth stories. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, people like hearing them. I, there's a lot of podcasts that I listened to with birth stories and was, was very helpful, especially because I was really hoping to have a home birth this time. Um, I toyed with it with my pregnancy with, with Jackson and then someone said something that kind of just scared me off that, you know, if something happens and the ambulance can't get there in time. And I'm just like, oh my God, forget it. Um, turns out because he was induced, wouldn't have been able to do it anyways. But this time I was like, I really want to make this work if I can. I educated myself more about what happens, what, what are the reasons for transfer, you know, what do the midwives do to be able to tell, is there something going south? And um, so, you know, I, I had, I had growth ultrasounds all along to see, did he have any um, uh, growth restriction issues? And he didn't, which was great. Um, you know, it was everything else, you know, am I a good candidate for it? And so, you know, my midwife was, was very happy with everything. She said, yeah, there, there's no reason I can't. Um, so yeah, just, I think the difference was focusing more on breastfeeding and, um, and listening to, to stories about home birth so that I could be a little bit more educated and aware of how they could go. Totally. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, and listening to all different types of birth stories, right. It's like hearing all the different ways birth can go, like even between your two, which I know we'll talk about Griffin's birth, but, um, I think it's just so key to hear all the different and induction and non-induction, medicated, unmedicated, plan, unplanned cesarean, because without hearing those different ones, it's hard to then know all yeah. the different options or, you know, experiences so that you can really be a part of it. So I think that's great that you kind of dove into that even more. And yeah, and in terms of with home birth, because, and it depends where you live in the world, hmm. everything is a bit different and the evidence here, um, is quite great in terms of with the midwives with support um, and even transfers because I think a lot of times people think you're transferred because of an emergency most right. transfers are not emergency right. situations there if someone decides you know I want to get pain medication I want an epidural or um, labor has gone on so long that they're tired and they're like I need an epidural so I can rest so yeah. it's usually not an emergency um, situation but again until you do your research and look into the evidence, people yeah. don't always know that. So yeah, and I mean, we get all of our birth knowledge up until the point we're going to become a parent from TV, where there's someone screaming and yelling coming in on a stretcher. So of course, we think birth is an emergency, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's great. You felt very kind of informed and supported by your midwives to make kind yeah. of the decisions that felt best for you and for baby with the first time doing the hospital course and the hypnobirthing versus this time, like what in bump to birth did you kind of take out that you found was really helpful or like different than, you know, going into Jackson's birth? I mean, there was a couple, like there was a lot of stuff that I knew already for sure, uh, which was like, okay, good. I still know this stuff, <laughs> but I, I think any first time mom would really do really well uh, going through your course. I think it'd be really helpful. Um, certain like specifics, like I remember talking, I was um, talking about how the side position and you have your knees down opens your pelvis more. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like they, you know, just very specific sort of physio things that uh, you wouldn't get from from other people. And, um, you know, the the biggest thing that I took away was the spontaneous pushing and how you can delay it. You don't have to push when your provider tells you that you can. Um, and so I was very interested to go down that path if possible. And I spoke with my midwife and she said she supported it if it was okay to do so at that time. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's great. I remember you mentioning in the group about spontaneous pushing was, and I think a lot of people are just pushing, I find in most education, like childbirth, it's kind of brushed over. They're like, labor, labor, okay, you will push your baby out, and then newborn. And people are like, hold up, especially after they go through it the first time, they're like, that whole pushing situation, like no one prepared me. You had more options um, going into Griffin's birth. So why don't we go into his birth story, kind of how that played out? Yeah, I may cry. <laughs> that is okay. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I passed my due date and then some, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had a, a stretch and sweep the day after my due date or sorry, I attempted to have one and she said she couldn't even reach my cervix. Um, and I mean, I'm very comfortable with my body. I was trying to touch my cervix myself. I couldn't reach it. I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's not going to be anytime soon. Cause my cervix is so high and it's got to come down. And so she couldn't reach it. So I couldn't have one. Then a couple days later, tried again. She's like, I can touch it. I still, she's like, it's soft. It's getting soft. She's like, but I still can't get anything in there. Um, and so that was on the Tuesday. And then the Wednesday I started, um, I think I woke up Wednesday morning in the middle of the night, you know, for one of my four times going to the bathroom and, um, there was a bunch of blood in the toilet and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is, this is going to happen now. I'm, you know, this is like the bloody show or my plug or whatever. And so then I turned on the light and I, I looked at it and I pulled it out and in it, was just like a jello. It was very strange. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I messaged my midwife and like, she's always available. And, and, and she's like, yeah, no, it just, just sounds like a little bit of bleeding. It doesn't sound like it's, you know, the plug, you know, have you lost any water or anything? So no, she's like, okay, cool. Go back to bed. And uh, so I, I was having some contractions. Um, but then by like eight o'clock in the morning, they were gone. And then the next night by seven o'clock at night, they started again. And I had more bleeding overnight. And so I basically repeated this for three or four nights. Um, she tried to do another stretch and sweep on the Friday. She could finally get her finger in there, but she couldn't stretch it. She could, what could she do? Could she stretch it? She could do one part of it. So then we're like, okay, so now I'm 40 and one. What's the plan? So um, I think she had already put in the requisition for the ultrasound for the following Monday when I'd be 41 and four. Um, she'd put in the rec on the Tuesday, but I hadn't, heard anything yet okay that's fine she's like you're gonna have your baby by the end of the weekend don't worry you don't need to have this ultrasound still haven't heard from the hospital so then friday i had my husband stay home because i'm like well i don't know like maybe maybe something's gonna come and it didn't but at least we got to spend some time together um and then the saturday uh so my son was home he, he goes to montessori so he's been able to be in school the whole year which has been fabulous um, so Saturday we were, we we're all home and I, like I had contractions four minutes apart in the morning and I was like, okay, this is actually happening. You're not going to work. Um, but again, they disappeared and then came back, but they were very intermittent. So again, just letting my midwife know what was happening. We, uh, spent the afternoon with my in-laws who just lived down the street and then came back, watched a movie. I fell asleep during the movie, woke up around seven 30. I'm like, okay, these are these are more intense and put Jackson to bed. And then I started timing them and they were four minutes apart for an hour. And we're like, I'm like, okay, this is really happening now. Um, so I call, I called my doula. I forgot to mention, I decided to get a doula this time. Um, and she's like, okay, well, I'm going to come. Took her about an hour to, to get there. And we called my midwife and she said she'd, she'd be coming as well. And then we called my in-laws to come back and get my son. <laughs> So that he could sleep over there we I love the idea of of him being at the birth but he was too scared about it when I started showing him videos of mom's giving birth and him seeing mom screaming and crying he was he was worried that I'd be hurt so I said you know what that's fine you don't need to be there and knowing how it went there's no way he would have liked it <laughs> he wouldn't have slept through it he would not appreciated it um so yeah they all kind of showed up at 10 and it was just for me it was like a probably the best party I ever had. Like we had music playing and the, my doula put on some like clary sage, like she was burning that and had some movies on. And you know, I, I was interested in a water birth. So we blew up the tub and put the water in. Um, I was like, I had easy contractions. They were fine. You know, we were laughing and stuff. And then obviously at some point it just changed <laughs> probably around two or three in the morning. Um, I did have my midwife check me when she first arrived um, and I was already six centimeters. So I was like, oh, that's good. And, uh, but I, I said, check me, but I'm not going to be upset either way. Like I'm not going to get obsessed with the number because I knew that with my pregnancy, uh, my labor with Jackson, I went from four to 10 in an hour. I think that's the one thing women get caught up with when they hear their measurements is like, oh, I'm three. It took me, you know, seven hours to get to three. It's going to take another seven hour, you know. No, like it can go like that uh, whenever the cervix is ready. So 
um, yeah, I think she, she checked me again. She's like, yeah, you're about an eight or so. And then um, I was very bloody. They said it was the most colorful birth they'd been to. Like I just kept bleeding. And she's like, okay, everything's fine. You know, baby's okay, but you are bleeding quite a bit. So let's try and accelerate this a little bit. I know you want to push, uh, spontaneously push. She's like, but I think you should try pushing to try and get him down a little bit lower. So I did, I was actually on my back again. I was like, oh, this is not how it's going to go down again, is it? <laughs> and then she's like, okay, we have, we have an adjustable bed. So she's like, get your hands on there, you know, and get your knees down and one leg up like as a lunge. I'm like, okay. I did one push and my water broke. And I was that is the most painful position to push in, but it was super, super effective. Um, and uh, yeah, and so then I decided I wanted to push and deliver in the bathroom because that was the least painful, uh, sitting on the toilet with the squatty potty, that was the least painful the contractions were. Um, and so, you know, in between pushes, the uh, my second midwife kept checking the heart rate and it was good, it was good. And then it started to decelerate and I got really concerned. I'm like, oh my God. Meanwhile, I know now that's normal because their head's being compressed and it went from 140 to 120. So it's not like it was dangerously low, but they're like, okay, like you got to push this baby up. Like, come on. <laughs> like They were kind of yelling at me in like a nice way. You know, they're, they know I'm into fitness. They're like, come on, you, this is labor for a reason. Um, so yeah, you know, I was you know, trying to push him out and stuff. And then he actually just popped out himself. Like it was crazy. I was like pushing so hard. I'm like, I need to take a break. And then suddenly he popped out and I managed to catch him. But uh I was like, okay, I got one spontaneous push in at least. <laughs> oh, that is, that's fantastic. And I know it's so, people are always switching with the toilet. I yeah. call it like I, a lot of doulas and care providers is the dilation station. Like yeah. people just, it often will help. And for you, it was like the most comfortable position. Yeah. yeah. Um, you talked about that a lot in your course too. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and so I think that's where I got the idea from it. Yeah. Yeah, it is great. And I know there is a lot of people who they are concerned, like, will I give birth on the toilet? And in yeah. your circumstance, yes, that's where well, so actually, I actually moved to the birth stool. Okay. Moved yeah. to death. And, I, and I asked like, well, what, what am I going to do when he comes out while yeah. I was on the toilet? And they're like, yeah. just kind of stand up a bit. Yeah. Um, but she's like, let's try the birth stool. So yeah. that just kind of brought my knees up. I forgot to mention that. But totally. uh, but, yeah. but I think it's different in your circumstance because your care providers were right there. So yeah. like, it's one of yeah. those things where it's, it's not like you were alone in the bathroom giving birth. Oh, it's totally. like they were, yeah, they, were, yeah. they were there, right? So even yeah. if you were kind of pushing and stood up, they were all there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's interesting, right? How he just came out on his own. So it sounded like it could have even been between contractions, which- yeah we talk about how sometimes that's actually uh, like a great time because it, rather than forcefully on a push all at the same time, it can actually potentially for some decrease the risk of tearing if they kind of come out in between. So he yeah. made that decision himself. Exactly. And I <laughs> did, I was thinking about you a lot and the, the breath and try and stay relaxed. And uh, you know, it's, it's super hard, but again, just going into that, uh, that I'll say athlete brain of, um, you know, I, I can do this and, and so on. And I mean, even since the birth now, I've been you know getting back into working out. I'm like, okay, I did that. I can certainly push for another 30 seconds on the bike or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And how do you feel? Because I remember you talked with Jackson's uh, birth transition and how, mm, yeah. um, again, we talked about it in the course too. And I know in some childbirth classes, we'll talk about transition is often a time where we, we feel like I'm over it. I'm done. I yeah. can't do it anymore. Um, and for a lot of care providers, they're like, let me, could I check you? Because that is often a sign that like baby is like, is getting pretty close. Yeah. Um, do you remember, or did it might be a fog to you, to your care providers? Did they talk like transition? Do you remember much how you felt? So with Jackson, it was like contraction on top of contraction and it was like death. Um, but this one, I was feeling contractions that were like that, but I had two minutes in between them. Um, and I was shaking through a lot of my labor, but then I also threw up. And that's when I was like, I'm in transition. I just knew it. I, I'm like, how can I even pay attention at this point? But yeah, no, I just, I knew. So it was a very different transition. It was not as intense, which I'm very thankful for. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's because I was at home and so I was more relaxed or because I didn't have an induction. Like you never really know, like 
um, I debriefed my birth with my first midwife and, and she's like, oh yeah, it's so interesting. Like, is it because you weren't induced or whatever? So uh, yeah, it was a completely different, different experience, but about the same length. Like Jackson was, you know, contraction at 11 until he was born at 5.53 and Griffin was, you know, active labor around eight o'clock and he was born at uh, 5.35. So like it, they were around the same time. Totally. And so how was it after, so Griffin came out and then how, how were things the first uh, little bit afterwards? Yeah. I mean, I sat there for a little bit, uh, about 10 minutes. And the, the one concern I had was about postpartum hemorrhaging. That was like my biggest concern um, about home birth again, other than him being, uh, being okay. And um, so the, instead of giving me the oxytocin shot, like in the hospital, they gave it to me right away. And they said, because I, I had actually had a partial abruption during my labor with Jackson, I forgot to mention that. So whenever they have, they automatically give you the oxytocin. Um, so for this one, we said we were just going to wait and see what happened. And so um, I'd been like feeling Griffin's head coming down. So like I was used to kind of feeling around during labor and they're like, okay, go feel up there now. And like, do you feel your placenta? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's right there. They're like, okay do a push and see what happens. And it just like came right out. I was like, oh, yay. I'm so happy about that. Um, and then, yeah, and then we transferred into my bed. And um, so he was born on March 14th, which is Pi Day 314, which is also my anniversary with my husband. <laughs> so we had a pie there, uh, you know, to celebrate our anniversary. And so that was the first thing I ate after uh, <laughs> Oh, amazing. amazing and a mimosa I needed to have one <laughs> I figured I deserved it <laughs> that's such a great first first kind of meal food yeah. after giving birth that's awesome yeah and when did then um when did Jackson end up coming back to meet his little brother um about he's back around nine or ten or so we uh we facetimed not too long later um probably about an hour later we facetimed him and so he could see and then yeah he came up and he's just been such a sweet human to his little brother he's like helpful like that's that's a good reason to have an age gap like that because man it can be can be really helpful um, as much as we didn't intend on it being four and a half years it certainly has um has, has worked out from that perspective Awesome. And I know you mentioned earlier, you did want to share kind of the, the difference in your um, breastfeeding, your feeding journey yeah. um, after Griffin versus after Jackson. Yeah, so it basically, I, I will say it was pretty much the same. Um, I maybe had a little bit more milk come in. Uh, Griffin had his tongue tie cut when he was a few days old, or I can't remember, maybe he did it a week later. Um, I had all the right support, you know, my latch was fine. I was, you know, feeding, I eventually started pumping and then started um, supplementing a little bit. I was using a lactation aid. I was doing all the things and it was just so much. And it's not that he wasn't worth it, but it just, I could just see that that's where it was going. So why would I keep pushing myself to just get like a few ounces a day like his needs were going up and he was getting significantly more formula than I'm sure he was getting from the breast um and so I said you know what he got breast milk for a month I and I'm, I'm happy with that um and I feel like I did everything I could and so I I know now that I did have that that um insufficient glandular tissue so there's literally nothing I could do I could have more babies and which I won't but uh <laughs> and I will never be able to feed them everything they need and and that's okay I'm I don't, I'm at peace with it because I I tried at least well thank you for sharing that and I, I remember when you shared it uh like in the course, there's a private Facebook group and kind of every week I put out there, you can share your wins or, and then also share your challenges. And I remember when you posted about that and you just felt so different this time that you felt yeah. like you were at peace with it and that you just yeah. felt so much different with all that knowledge you had before to prepare for this time yeah. um, and then make that decision that felt best, best to you. For sure. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. I'm um, my first experience certainly helped, uh, inform this experience. And, uh, I definitely know that there's like, yeah, it is something wrong with me, but there's nothing I can do. It's not like I, 
know, didn't try hard enough. And that's always my thing. I always want to make sure I try the most that I can um, to make things work. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's helpful because I do, I do know so many people like is when we put that on ourselves exactly like if if whatever happened with birth or whatever happens postpartum it must be our fault that Mm. you know we didn't we didn't know enough we didn't do enough and there's so many other factors involved um that I just think people will really appreciate hearing your experience because I know others have gone through the exact same thing but didn't have necessarily that awareness or knowledge or you know learned that afterwards so after hearing this they'll be like oh yeah, that was me. Yes. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I mean, that's, I, I will always talk about all of my experiences with, you know, pregnancy loss with my, with the feeding experience, um, because if it can help one person feel like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not alone. Because I, I had that too, with when I created that, the group of women, and I found out someone very, very similar experience to me having a loss with, you know, chromosomal abnormality and went on to have another child, you know, which, you know, doesn't always happen, but like that kind of gave me some hope. Um, and then also knowing, okay, it happened to someone else. So it's not just me. It's not something I did. So yeah, it's, uh, I think we've been too, too long where we hide things. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of shame around things, but it's, you know, with, with social media and the, the internet and stuff, we can thankfully uh, share our experiences to make people not feel alone. Yeah. And so how have you been doing now that uh, Griffin is now three months old? Yeah. Um, how has postpartum been? It's been good. You know, I I have had a physically better um, response, I'll say. Um, like, I, I, I felt really good after like a few days. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard for me to wait till six weeks to do exercise. But I, again, followed... Um, um, in street parking, we have a, a mom rehab program. So I was following that. Um, and then, you know, I saw Carolyn at six weeks and she was like, wow, like everything looks and feels so good. Like I, I had no, I had no stitches. I had nothing from Griffin, which was like shocking. Yeah. I I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting back into things. Um, I mentioned, you know, my weight's still the same that, that bothers me a little bit. Cause like, I'd like some clothes to fit me and I'd like to start feeling lighter, but, uh, I know that hormones are still at play for a long time and, um, you know, thing, things will come around eventually at some point and, you know, it's a, it's a different body, but I, I'm starting to feel more like myself, um, I think faster than I did with, with Jackson, which I, I thought would be the opposite being, being older. Yeah. And I remember you mentioning too, in the group that you're like, I feel stronger. Like I feel yeah. strong, yeah. which I think so many people are surprised postpartum that you can feel that way. And some people, I have some people who they're like, I'm a faster runner postpartum than I ever was pre-pregnancy because all these things I've learned about my body and how to actually, um, you know, do activities even more efficiently because they've really gotten to know things versus pre-pregnancy. There's so much about our body. Sometimes we just glaze over um, and postpartum, you just, you really get to know yourself. And I was curious one thing, because um, I know we'll have some listeners wondering about this too. How did you feel? Because it, it sounded like you were very supported in terms of pregnancy, um, in terms of going into your later 30s, because mm-hmm. not everyone gets that. Yeah. So how did you find, did you ever have times where um, health professionals maybe were speaking to you differently or, or um, you know, bringing up your age when it came to pregnancy? So not my midwife at all. Um, like they don't even recommend additional testing on anything until you're over 40. Um, but when I had one of, I think it was when I had my first miscarriage before Griffin, um, my family doctor's like, yeah, the risk of miscarriage comes up and you know, you're, you're closer to 40 now. And I'm like, mm, thanks. You know, like I know biologically those things are true, but I wish professional uh, uh, medical professionals would just word them different I, I don't know I don't know if if there's a way to do it like even the fertility doctor that I had when she said oh yeah your your follicle count is good is consistent with your age and I'm like what does that mean like you know you just you feel gross and icky about it I'm like oh so does that mean I'm not going to be able to have a healthy pregnancy or or what like it just you just don't feel feel good about it but generally things were pretty good because I, I had the midwives. 
That's, no, that's great to hear because I know everyone's a bit different and I think it depends. I know some care providers go based off 35 and yeah. other ones go based off 40. Yeah. Um, in terms of, and even the language, I agree with you, like advanced maternal age oh, or God. some still use yeah. geriatric pregnancy, which I'm just like, I feel like we're far beyond saying geriatric pregnancy at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think just sharing the evidence that, you know, so that the person who's pregnant or wants to get pregnant can make that informed choice for themselves. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm glad you, with your specific care provider, you did have uh, a great experience and yeah. it, it wasn't something that, that came up. No, and I, I mean, in, in town here, you have the option of midwife, OB, and you have to go to Aurelia or you go with the prenatal clinic, which are family doctors who will deliver the babies and, and see you, you know, however frequency. And, and I know that like one of them is my family doctor. And I know that like, he's a weight obsessed doctor. And oh, I'm really glad I wouldn't have that. And I imagine he'd probably say stuff about age. So um, as much as he's a, he's a good doctor, I'm glad I didn't have to, to be subjected to that. Uh, and so what would you say, so um, someone who's listening, who is expecting, if they're expecting for the first time, mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give them? And someone who's expecting subsequently, what advice mm -hmm. would you give them? Yeah, so for the first time, I think, you know, educating yourself about, I'll say everything, um, you know, when it comes to uh, medication during labor, like I went and read about, you know, epidurals, pros and cons. Um, know the the different types it, again following your course would be helpful because you kind of cover almost all of those things so that that would be just a really quick quick and easy thing to do it um but i think for the first time is really focusing on learning about postpartum and learning about breastfeeding and what can happen not getting like obsessed with it but how could things go it could go okay it could not even if you end up being able to successfully breastfeed it can still be very hard and you know painful and and stressful and for for many reasons um you know try and set up a support system in advance you know if you have a friend who's breastfed or had a baby even and just ask questions you know what what to expect like i always laugh they're like they're gonna send us home with this kid like what do we do with it like, my midwives left after three hours after griffin was born i'm like okay what do we do now and that was the second time around um so yeah just trying to learn a little bit more about what things are going to be like after the baby comes in addition to the actual uh, birth and for the second time reflecting back on your first birth and postpartum experience and thinking of how could it have been better and, and then try and set yourself up for success again acknowledging that this one could be very different um than the first so I think that that would probably be what I would say yeah no I think that's that's fantastic advice for those listening and yeah thank you so much Michelle for being on for sharing all of your experiences because I do think like I said we just we need to hear more of those experiences and stories so then people know they're not alone in what they're feeling um, and for those who haven't given birth uh, yet or aren't even pregnant yet, that they're just to be able to hear your experiences, I know will help. So thank you very oh, much. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was, it was an honor. <laughs> thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 